0: Welcome to Sport and Life uh, with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wiegard.
1: Sam, how are you? Oh, fantastic, Leon. Uh, a little chilly, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm bright and alive and effervescent. a step of a in my step, so I'm bright as a button, my dear friend. How are you? You're isolated. I know you're self-isolating, quarantined, I but you're well.
0: I-, I am in isolation. I'm wearing a mask around the streets, of course, and. Um, that's, I hope everybody's following suit there. It seems to be a pretty sensible thing to do.
1: Well, I did. Uh, I've been wearing it, but I, they threw me out of a building the other day. I walked in with my mask at the ANZ Bank. I haven't got, much, I haven't got a sense of humour there. Yeah. Anyhow, no, sorry, Leon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Today we've got Andrew Plimpton with us, and Andrew will uh, he'll, uh, regale us with some stories about his yachting career, his business career, his football administration, uh, his sports administration, a lot of stuff about Andrew.
1: How are we going to cram that in the, in half an hour or 40 minutes?
0: Well, Gee, worry about that when, well, worry about that when we get there. Now, what chance of Tokyo, which is going to be starting, uh, according to the schedule, in almost exactly 12 months' time? What do you think?
1: Well, there's no doubt that it's, uh, I think it's been terminated as we speak. And I think it's one of the reasons why the AFL have taken advantage of it or the broadcasters have said, well, we haven't got that content. Let's get as much content into our uh, broadcast as we can, and I think interesting mi- point. Yeah, I think they might have just uh, nudged the AFL and said, "Well, give us as much as you can," which makes and,
0: and it was a very fair draw. <coughs> by the AFL wasn't it, the interstate clubs again got a hell of a good go, and the other uh, and the people that started the game and built it got absolutely snacker all.
1: Well, sometimes, Leon, uh, you should know better than anyone. Uh, Presiding over that wonderful club called Fitzroy at the bottom end of the food chain, sometimes you don't get the uh, the licks of the ice cream that you so desire when you're down there. You get what you're given.
0: <laughs> yes, well, uh, and uh, well, it, it's an unfair thing, but uh, it's an unbalanced competition. Of course, I understand that, but. Gee whiz, this is pretty pointed. Uh, there will be an occasion, I guess, later in the year where they'll have to have another cluster of uh, who's that word? That's the ga- That's the word of the year, isn't it? It is another cluster. Another cluster of games, and let's hope they can they can at least uh, give some of those crowds that have been absolutely slaughtered in this draft uh, a bit of a better go.
1: Well, hopefully, yeah. But you're right. You you made a very relevant point about the inequity of the competition. But uh, I'll use another cliche. You might have heard of this one too Leon it is what it is but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a stark reality but let's hope somewhere along the line look you feel for all stakeholders I think we said it before it's just one of those abnormal abnormalities that uh, yeah, I think everyone just had it fed up with it they just want to get over and done with in the best way possible and uh, keep our fingers crossed at the end of the day that uh, the right well, the right side will win but Get it over and done with, and we come through unscathed. That's the biggest thing, I think.
0: Yeah, and our thoughts go out to all those, uh, particularly those first-time Olympians that were looking so much forward and trained so hard to get into the teams, oh. and uh, all of a sudden that's been the, the match been drawn from under them and under uh, under them, under them. Mm. and uh, of course they now got to hold their breath until next year and uh, hopefully get a get, get their chance to be an Olympian mm. uh, in. 2021
1: let's hope so keep our fingers crossed one more thing leon to you uh the gold coast Suns. do you think yep. the uh, do you think the afl would uh feel somewhat relieved now with the, the way that they're performing i mean i so since right. their inception 11 years ago there have been a bit of a, uh, a burden to the afl and been ridiculous really subject to a lot of criticism and of course cost so they would be a bit relieved i'd imagine would you think
0: Well, they haven't had a failing yet, the AFL. They just keep pumping advantages their way and keep pumping, pumping, pumping until they come good. So, uh, you know, now I wouldn't have liked to have been uh, any of those start-up clubs because it's tough going, really tough going. But I hope they don't forget the support they've had from the AFL over so many years uh, to get them where they've all got. Uh, the same as the, even though my cousin Kevin Cheedy would disagree with this, uh, the Greater Western Sydney, uh, you know, oh God, they couldn't have thrown more money at them or, or uh, uh, you know, privileged uh, choices in the draft and all those other things that they get. so, uh, And living away allowances, all those sort of things. Uh, and it just takes time for those things to kick in. Uh, and they certainly do kick in. We'll have an all interstate uh, grand final again very shortly. So, uh, well, no, we've never had one, have we? No. All, all, all interstate, but we're due to one. We, we'll have one. It's got to happen in the next couple of years.
1: Tell me this, uh, finally: uh, Do you feel a tad aggrieved yourself when you consider you know the, f- the great effort and the fight you put in to keep Fitzroy uh, afloat, and uh, the AFL virtually turned their back on you
0: when yeah, you consider disappointed- what they've spent? Yeah, more disappointed in the clubs. Actually, um, they didn't help Fitzroy at all in the end. They, um, it was all s- self-preservation. You yeah, they and uh, you're sitting next to a um, uh, an AFL president of the past, and uh, everybody was you know looking after their own. Four walls, yeah. Um, but the AFL certainly a couple of those commissioners were hell bent on getting a, a victim and I don't even know that they were so sure. We used to get all these different figures. The ideal number of clubs from Victoria would be five. Yeah. Then you get, oh, well, we can take seven, maybe eight, but we can't have 12, you know.
1: I think there's a new word for it now. They call it modelling uh, and projections, Leon.
0: That's the thing, modelling, (laughs) yes. Well, they got the modelling wrong and they listened to the wrong people. Anyway, uh, I'm disappointed for all those families that had – so, and all the clubs have got these people. That's right. Absolutely, died in the wall, dicky die Aussies that go back, you know, uh, over a hundred years of supporting the same club, and you know have their have their club disappears an awful thing. You know, and the greatest disappointment is that they didn't all go the same way. At least with South Melbourne going to Sydney, they've they've retained a hell of a percentage and pro- probably gained a lot of supporters. Yeah, did uh, it from well down here in Melbourne. Uh, but we didn't have that opportunity And um, so some have just given footy away Others have gone to other clubs Or gone to the amateurs Or junior football And, um, you know, so it's a, that's the greatest disappointment So we really haven't got a coterie left
1: Well, mate, uh, I know you don't hold a grudge I know you're a very, very fair man I know you're very, very, very well And uh, whilst I have a sip of this uh, Mitchelton Shiraz uh, You might want to just take a, a, a quick uh, hiatus and, and introduce our guest very shortly
0: okay well you you enjoy the Mitchell in there at at the Prince Hotel I'm locked up here at home I can't get out I'm absolutely a prisoner and happy to be uh, play my part in this battle against the virus you're helping Jackie no doubt with the
1: uh, Jackie you've done the vacuuming and (laughs) Jackie she's carried the burden (laughs) for a hundred
0: (laughs) years with you Leon I've just finished the dishes Uh, what we'll be back with Andrew (laughs) Clinton it's right after this Welcome back to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wiegard and we've got a special guest today. All right, former president of St Kilda, former president of the of Sailing Australia, president of Sorrento Cuda Boat Club, uh, <laughs> and the Victorian Sailing uh, Club, uh, an executive member of the Australian Sports Commission, <laughs> the Australian Olympic Committee, a big time businessman. <laughs> Andrew Plipton, sitting right next to you there, Sam. Why don't you fire off and ask him a question? Where would you start, Leon, with that CV? <laughs> well, I'll jump into
1: it. Oh, God, for someone that aspired to being similar to him, and I've had 30 jobs, got sacked by most of them, as you know. <laughs> but now I've got this superstar. Andrew,
2: uh, welcome, and thank you for being with us. What a pleasure to be down at uh, Jerry's Prince Hotel. The Mitchelton Wines are magnificent, and it's lovely to hear Leon relieving himself from home duties to come and visit us today. Oh, yeah, what about that, Gazi? He turned.
1: But if you knew Jackie, Jackie's slightly despotic these days. He does fall in the line. But more importantly, your good self. I know you haven't been of good health in recent times, uh, which I, I
2: just learnt. And, uh, but you're looking well and you're feeling, a bit, feeling okay now? Yeah, I am, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, so look, I've had a few issues with my lungs, so... Uh uh, very sensitive in this, uh, in, in this climate. If I was to contract uh, that dreadful disease, I'd be in deep trouble. So with great care, uh, lurking around Melbourne still. Well, Leo made reference to your
1: business career, your corporate career, of course, your Olympic movement, which Leon will touch upon very shortly. But, of course, you're a very, very prominent figure in the footballing world. And, of course, you took over St Kilda in the... Uh, in the year two thousand, I think it was. was Early nineties, ninety three, yeah, ninety three to yeah. two thousand. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's right. Ninety seven, of course, the premiership years, and you took over at a period of time when Footscray, oh, when Footscray, when St Kilda, I mean, were uh, very, very vulnerable. Their yes. finances were uh, precarious. Their playing group was, uh, to be respectful, borderline but you stepped in and uh, what were the circumstances leading into you become did you have a
2: footy background or you, did you... Uh, basically frightened when it came to football Sam but uh, uh, look I played a little bit at school always got concussion etc not a great not a, not a great football footballing person but I've always loved the Saints uh, I think I had my first membership ticket uh, when I was 13 years of age and I I let it go, but I remember it encased in leather, uh, beautifully handcrafted, and the the gate they used to clip the ticket, etc., like that. And I kept them for many years. Great
1: emblem, wasn't it, St
2: Kilda? Yeah, the yeah, emblem. great emblem. So I'd always loved the Saints and uh, and became involved with them through their marketing. So through the mark, I was asked to get involved with some of their marketing things. Uh, uh, the football club and the social club was separate then. It was a great chasm of relationships, but we managed to do things together. And so that's you're bound,
1: you actually you merged the two
2: together in trying circumstances. Yeah, look. So just very quickly, guys, is that when I took over, I mean, the social club and the football club had been I won't say at war, but there had been disagreement for thirty years, and people said you'll never merge them together. Well, it took the goodwill of a lot of people, a lot of people, to quietly get it done, which strengthened the club. And, and, and Leon touched on the era that you know, I was faced with in 1995, and you know, I'm I just grateful that I was. the members understood and followed after a while, and and that is, I used to get up and say, I can give you no guarantees about our future. If we recall in the mid-'90s, the AFL issued these merger deals. You know, they would mm. give each club $6 million if they merged, and hence the reason that Melbourne and Hawthorne got to the altar. Uh, you know, it's a separate subject, perhaps for for another time. But I had to go and find potentially suitors for us, and uh, and a lot of people don't give him enough credit. I do. I went and spoke to the Carlton Footy Club, you know, and I spent a lot of time with John Elliott talking it through, and. Uh, uh, for all the issues people say about John, et cetera, like that, the Carlton Football Club was fantastic in the sense of understanding. Well, it wouldn't have been a merger with him. <laughs> it well, be- I'll, I'll tell you why it would have been a merger, because the AFL would have provided us, addition, you know, a guaranteed additional funds because the fit between St Kilda and, and Carlton, one premiership versus 16, in many ways culturally had some uniqueness about it. We probably would have moved to the MCG and, you yeah, know, there would have been a lot of things... Uh, that could have happened. And look, without me going on about it, it was six months of, you know, five months of discussion.
1: You could relate to that, Leon. Uh, Was Fitzroy offered the six million? Because you nearly merged with North, didn't you?
0: I remember the throw I remember three million, actually, Andrew. You you might have doubled up. Yeah, well, Uh, it
2: started off and then things increased.
0: Okay, I I just, the the, the three million stuck in my mind. But yes, that that was the way they were going to do. And then you also got the pick of the, the two uh, player groups and oh, wh- whoever merged would have been a very strong club.
1: Yep. I think you're overlooking one thing why they got six million, Leon li- probably was three million but I think they would have had that Jewish uh, accountant that they normally have in St Kilda. <laughs> They're very good at putting those figures. Uh,
0: uh, by, the, by the way, I hope you're standing up, Max. Uh, Max, what's your name, Sam? Because um, you're sitting next to a world actual champion in, in uh, sailing. Uh, he, he's a world champion, that bloke,
1: you know. No, I didn't know that. I knew he was up there. Look, I got sick and... I went to sleep after an hour and a half reading his CV. So i got that bored. Well, I'll tell you what, I've never well, I,
0: Another ritual champion from Australia is John Bertrand. You might remember that name.
1: I do indeed. I do indeed.
0: I'll he's, tell you another little bit of uh, history about Andrew Plimpton. Uh, he went to the same school as one of our all-time great sailors.
2: Jock Starrick. Ah, Brighton Grammar. Yes, Brighton. What a, yes. What a great man! Two of them: uh, Johnny yeah. Bertrand and then the great Alexander Starrick uh, Jock Starrick, what a f- great individual he was. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't have known his name was Alexander. Is
2: that yeah. a fact? Yeah, a great man. I was lucky enough to sail with him in uh, you know, a few times um, in you know, in the late '60s when I was just a young cadet. Sailor down at you know uh, down at Brighton. Uh, Jock uh, was a dominant member down there, and uh, to be able to sail with uh, Jock Sturrock was a great privilege. Hey Leon, great why club. why weren't you and I involved in sailing?
1: When you look at the other side of the top end of the food <laughs> chain, you know we were more rustic and in the inner city suburbs. You know where you had to fight for your own, you know well, meal morsel. Well,
0: those, those uh, yachts, I don't know whether you know this, Sam, but they're quite finely balanced, and I'm not too sure whether you could sit right in the middle.
1: <laughs> You're not referring to my corpulence uh, fat-
0: figure, are you? <laughs> I, I, was a, I did a bit of sailing. I was an emergency. Uh, you would so have the been... Jubilee, you, the Jubilee class at Brighton Yacht uh, Club. You
1: would have been every the davit.
0: <laughs> no, every time. I used, to, I used to have to drive from North Pole and down there as quick as I could to fill in when they were short, of, and I did it three or four times ah. did you they had a jubilee class
2: I know them well let me just quote this Jock Sturrock was walking out in the pier one day with the great Buzz Mosbacher who was the American, American skipper yes, huh, yes, who beat him, him. And the Jubilees were tied up to the pier, and uh, Buzz asked Jock. He said, uh, "Interesting little boats, those Jubilees." He said, "What's their fastest point of sailing?" To which Starrick replied, "In irons," which means head to wind, because to win. they were just, uh, a, you know, they were not a very uh, active boat. So, uh, but uh, look, those boats were built uh, after the war, after uh, after a, the huge storm at Brighton, and all the boats ended up on the beach because of the lack of breakwater, etc. And to Recover the club, they all got together and designed this boat and built these Jubilees, Leon, to, to give, you know, to bring back people to sailing. Sailing. Yeah. Leon. Uh,
0: there, was a, there was a famous, I'll just finish that story, yeah, Sam. The keep The, going. the, 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 the Jubilees, the, the absolute star was the Volkswagen uh, dealership owner in Melbourne mm-hmm. and the name just ex- escapes me. He was a, Les Pound. an old.
2: Les Pound. Sorry? Les Pound
0: no this is a longer name and he uh, everybody followed him one day we we were we were looking down the into the below decks looking for another bottle of beer yes and um, we missed a turn that everybody else everybody, everybody followed this guy and we missed the turn because we were sort of concentrating on other things and this bloke led somebody had made a big mistake and they all followed him the same way, and we finished up in front. Les Patterson. Les, <laughs>
1: Patterson. <laughs> oh, I just thought I'd break up a bit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it brings me on to the to Sorrento and and the, uh, the Tell us about the kuda boats uh, down there at Sorrento. Uh,
2: yeah, look, I listened to last week's podcast with Bobby and the introduction to the kuda boats, and it was a beautiful introduction, Leon, in the sense that. Um, Down there, there's a guy called Tim Phillips who has uh, looked after and uh, created the revival of this class. Those kurder boats were originally designed for fishing, you know, to bring in the kurder boats. And the interesting thing about them all was that the bigger the rig in them, the faster they went, and if you had the fastest boat, you were first to market to sell your goods. So you got the best price. So on these... There's two types, there's a 24-footer and a 26-footer with bow, spritz, et cetera, the, you know, about 30-foot long. So they kept putting bigger and bigger rigs in them to go faster to get a best price. So then uh, the, the whole thing collapsed and people started to restore them back in the early 80s. There is, it is now, so here's a statistic, it's the largest collection of vintage yachts in the world that race. And on Portsea Cup Day, on the big events down at Sorrento, you get up to 65 boats on the start line. Uh, a new boat costs hundred and fifty grand to put in the water, these replica Curta boats, so high level of interest, fantastic fun to sail. They're sailed by you know, those that just love the old antique uh, Curta boats and also very experienced and successful sailors get them as well. So great fun. Gee, Leon, how many listeners are Traganini and Wyndham and all those areas. They'll be delighted to listen to hear that. <laughs> but, but, they, but Sam, I they're dirty old fishing boats that have that. turned into great collectibles. I don't take it personally. I'll, oh. just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just stray hey, in Sam, the
0: side don't, then. Don't, don't forget Switzerland won the America's Cup one. That's though. it. They
1: did. There's no water there. Yeah. yeah. And who would have thought the best golf in the world would be black? And the best rap dance are white
2: And the French would accuse
1: the Americans of being arrogant (laughs) (laughs) And the Germans refused to go to war Now
0: hang on, that's my background there (laughs) uh, 1854 or something when the Guards came to Australia (laughs) Hey, uh, let's get Andrew onto the, uh, the hairy thing of a few years ago He was on both, in fact very few people have done this Been on the executive of the Australian Olympic Committee and also the Australian Sports Commission. And, of course, he's right in the middle of uh, the biggest blue of all time between two Johns, John Wiley, representing the Australian Sports Commission, which is the overriding group, and the Australian Olympic Committee, of course, with the long-term president there, John Coates. And uh, we all know the way that turned out. Uh, What was the... Well, I won't ask you why you went with the uh, Wiley group, and I know both guys very well, by the way, Yeah. Of, of course, Andrew, but uh, it was a hard decision to make, I guess. Why'd oh. you
2: pick the wrong side, in other words? <laughs> That's right. Well, I've managed to do it most of my life, Sam. <laughs> um, look, I, it's a very touchy subject, Leon, but uh, knowing your involvement as president of the VOC and your long-time involvement with the sport, is that I'm never critical of John Coates's quality attribute and what he's done for the Olympic movement in the world and Australia. It's interesting that he's, you know, now the vice president. Uh, he was, uh, he's been very much instrumental and deserves all the all the accolades for being in charge of the Tokyo uh, uh, commission of bringing that games and doing all the stuff that he has to do there. But the question is, and you know, we've all faced it in life. You know, involved with sport is you can stay around for a long, long time, and somebody's got to ask the question: When do we actually move on and do things? And my view is that John had a John Coates, that is, had a had an opportunity in which he was exercising, and that is a significant role on a global basis. And I was also keen to see a, an evolution, a, and you know, an evolution of our. Uh, of our uh, olympians that could take over the role as president and uh, you know we we've got you know swimmers we've got a great member of the van sang club big you know stevie Hooker, of the pole vaulter etc all good quality people that perhaps become are but opp- you know have the opportunity in front of them to become uh, the president and so in that sense without the crime john's influence and what he has done i thought it was just time to to get there In regards to John Wiley, look, Wiley has been instrumental in steering the the Australian Sports Commission, the extra funding we've got from government. I mean, part of the Sports Commission, Leon, as you know, is the Australian Institute of Sport. This quadrennium, we're going to be putting $600 million into Olympic, Paralympic and winter sports, so it's a significant contribution. There's always going to be conflicts, I was fortunate enough, long-winded story, Leon, to be uh, effectively to be uh, to be placed on the Australian Sports Commission at the behest and, if you like, the the recommendation from John Coates. And you're right, only John Coates, Peter Montgomery and myself have ever served on the joint boards. It's difficult, but uh, did it for a while, but things evolved in regards to, I think, what we all understand in sports... Things can't stay the same forever, and sometimes you got to plan to move on. But if they're not broken, why why fix it? And the mm. other thing
1: for memory, I remember that yep. vividly. There was a lot, a lot of print media, a lot of uh, the tissues was, and the argument was that uh, John Coates was becoming very autocratic and very dictatorial, as opposed to being, you know, being consent and. Uh,
2: yep. Uh, and Sam and Leon, you know, I, I don't want to drive that you know, discussion into the negativity of it all, but you, you, you're right. I mean, when you've been in a job for that many years, you start making a lot of decisions by yourself. And look, John was also, uh, this wasn't a, a job that you did for nothing. I mean, John uh, was paid extremely well. I don't want to be critical, but in the sense that his honorarium was, you know, was you know, a significant amount of money, $800,000. And in the world of first world countries involved with the Olympic movement, he was the only one that was being paid an honorarium. I mean, Germany, UK, USA—it was a great honor job. Now, I'm not decrying John turned down a lot of opportunities in his legal career, but you just take note on the way through. Sometimes you've got to modify.
1: On the Olympic movement, can I just ask, sorry, Leon, one question: How corrupt yep. was the uh, Olympic movement? Oh. I know those third world countries you're alluding to. Yeah. It wouldn't have been too difficult, I would imagine, to entice them to vote for me.
2: Yeah. Well. Is that true? Or? Yeah, that, look, uh, I've never been involved in the international part of it. I was very much the Australian part of it. But if you see the, the – the, and hear the stories of the bidding processes that took place, Sam, uh, the conduct of people at their worst and how people got votes, whether it be – the Olympic movement, whether it be the international soccer, etc., like that. It's just... The avarice. It's just greed. alarming. The greed. The greed and the manipulation. I mean, we're talking about World Stage Olympic Games. It doesn't get much bigger then in yeah. influence. If we look... You know, I look now, sadly, I spent a fantastic couple of weeks in Rio, and I I thought it was just an outstanding Games in the sense of the feeling of the city of Rio. But we we know what Brazil's gone through now economically, and if yeah. you go and see what the stadium looks like that was used, it's uh, and, and you, then you see the the favelas where all the poor Brazilians are having to live. It's a you know it's an unpleasant it's an unpleasant reflection now.
1: But the same can be said about Athens. I'm, you know, I was in Athens not long ago. I filmed in Athens. Yeah. But I went to the old Olympic stadiums. And that mate, yeah. they're all overgrown. You yeah. know the. Beautiful electronic scoreboards are all uh, almost ripped apart. It's a tragedy what happens after the event in certain circumstances.
0: Uh, yeah, those days are gone now. Um, the Olympic, uh, the IOC have now um, won't allow people to overspend on, uh, on uh, any of these stadiums. They, uh, they're promoting uh, joint uh, cities to um, uh, virtually countries to host the Olympic Games rather than cities. Uh, although they'll have a main city, and if, for instance, if for Melbourne were to get the Olympics again, we'd have Geelong involved, Ballarat, Bendigo, um, Swan Hill. Those sorts of places would get a, a brief, uh, and that was a way of keeping the cost down. So uh, it wouldn't be the same where you've got all the pretty well all the athletes, not all of them, of course, because yachting's one that's often outside the Olympic village, and uh, rowing's another. So, but but generally speaking, it'd be. Um, Uh, a lot cheaper it's going to be a lot cheaper and also the IOC are now going to throw in I think it's something like three billion dollars into the successful bidder so uh, those big cost items are out of the the, anyway let's get on the Andrew Plimpton himself and Andrew uh, your your school days at Brighton Grammar Uh, is that a sports oriented uh, uh, school?
2: It is very much now. Uh, there is um, th- there is a great feeling in that school regarding. Um, it, it's one of the small public schools, but uh, I'm lucky enough to have been elevated to the Hall of Fame down there, Sam. It's a, it's a wonderful little boulevard of uh, outstanding contributors. I can imagine. Um, but the school is very active in sport, and you know, uh, your ex-coach at Fitzroy Mr. Shaw has been you know has been coach of the football team down there. Um, you talk about rivalry amongst schools and amateurs. The rivalry that we have had over the years against the Xavier College boys and being able to beat them in uh, the in uh, the, uh, inter-schools premiership has been outstanding. Pardon so, my intrusion,
1: but I see the Jesuits about to depart with Cosca Hall. Yes, it is. Yes, why yeah. would
2: that be? Oh, <laughs> oh, the landscape of Brighton's changing, Sam, as we speak. <laughs> um, so, Leon, a school now that puts an enormous influence not only on academic... Uh, for which i have to say year 12 was the best four years of my life but uh, <laughs> uh, the, the sporting the sporting work down there the sporting attribute you know the benefit of bringing people together for sport down at uh, brighton grammar is outstanding and the school should be congratulated it does a great job uh, and the, uh,
0: the other thing sam where well, you and i were talking about uh, in respect to andrew is uh, is a businessman that is, you know, so active in so many areas of business and yet devotes so much time um, to yes. administration and sport. Um, Andrew, did you have a, a, a game plan or do you do you go the, into these things half-blind, you know, in, in that, well, I've got a job to do. Somebody's asked me to do something else as well. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, is
2: there any science to it all no science in fact i was reflecting with sam before we just had a little cup of coffee before the shiraz <laughs> down here at the prince about our good man <laughs> jerry ryan the
0: the michelton the
2: michelton uh, the Mitchell, the, Micheldon the shiraz. Prince. Uh, yes uh, the michel and <laughs> and i was reflecting uh, you know because sam asked the question he said look just help me how did you get involved with the saints and i said look avid supporter all my life i love that football club and I used to chair their marketing committee and I had to put up with people that you both know quite well, that dreadful little Desmond <laughs> Kelly and others of his ilk. <laughs> a- and then I uh, helped do the move or led the move. Uh, the board gave me the delegation because they felt they were too close to it, of that heart move from Moorabbin to Waverley. And uh, after we successfully did that, you know, a group of people worked very hard to, to do it is that uh, Jerry and Trotty approached me and said, look, you've done this, it's been a great success. How would you like to become president of the footy club? Would you like to consider it? And Leon, I'd never considered it. I thought it would be a great honor because I wasn't even on the football club board then. So I I joined the footy club and you know, within two months I was president of, of the St Kilda Footy Club. I remember Neil Roberts uh, in a player's uh, past players getting up and saying we don't know Andrew Plimpton but we wish him the best and <laughs> and that was the reality of it all I was uh, was not known within the confines of the footy club. What did Jerry say to you? Why didn't did you ask Jerry why he never took the job on? Yes, it's a question that I've asked <laughs> Jerry over the years and said Jerry, why aren't you the man for the job? Why don't you take this on? He said I don't like publicity. And I was sharing with <laughs> I was just sharing before When he uh, when he was up, Leon uh, been awarded the uh, the big cup for the uh, miracane for the Melbourne Cup. Um, I sent him an SMS message and uh, just simply said, "Jerry, who doesn't like publicity now?" And of course, (laughs) we've all seen what he's done with Melbourne Storm, what he's done with Jayco, with his cycling team, and uh, you know Jerry very much an institution, and what a fantastic help help helpman supporter he's been of the Saints. During your, during
1: your period as uh, when you presided over the Saints as your president, yep. there were a couple of taxing moments, of course. Uh, of course, the pinnacle of his success was the 97 grand final, which, OK, you got beat, I think, by about five goals at the end. 21 points. 21 yep. points, but at three-quarter time, I think you led by five.
2: Half, up at half-time, a couple yeah. of... twenty. Days,
1: yeah. Anyhow, it was a great year. Yeah. But there was always that issue with Stan Alvin, and, it, and I think the one thing to this day... I think we all concur that Stan's one of the greatest guys you'll ever come across. Must have been a gut-wrenching moment when you had to finally terminate Stan Alves. Yeah.
2: Look, it's an interesting story. I hear a lot of our people talking about culture and, you know, perhaps we might get onto it. I've been just so fortunate to be involved to a league three Olympic teams away in sailing. Um, and what I say to people is... When we're in four walls of a footy club, sometimes there's different stories. And one of the issues you look at in in sport is that be very cautious of just looking, if you've just been with, say, one footy club in your life, of just concentrating on that. And and one of the benefits I had in sailing was to understand, you know, the culture of St Kilda and where where we were and uh, and where I thought that, you know, Stan, uh, who I like and like seen and all the reasons that when I'm going to say this, be mindful that he was five years as coach and, you know, was renewed and wasn't at this. And I'm always saying, i you will know, make an excuse. After the year we lost the grand final, I think that Stan got to a point in his life uh, that we became less robust. Uh, we became, he became so dominant in his, what he was trying to achieve and didn't bring everyone with him. And mm, if, if we look at after the loss of 97 and... The commitment we made to 98, I mean, we had this rule at St. Kilda: we had to improve everything by 5%, you know, whether it be marketing income, players, you know, fit, everything was a, because f- we all figured that to, to stay relevant, you had to keep improving. We set this benchmark at 5%. And, and, and frankly, I think that uh, Stan just became overpowering, overbearing and just became dictatorial and overly dominant in a few areas that he shouldn't have been. I don't want to say he lost the players but there was a lot of tension in the footy club there was a lot of tension and i think you know the best thing that stan did was to write his book you know the title i'm not so sure about called sack coach (laughs) but we wrote a book and that was bloody good for stan and i have no anger towards stan or disagreement if i saw him now i'd be loving to sit down and and go through issues as as i have with him um but yeah it was a tough time
0: Mm, interesting uh, a lot of good times there,
2: <coughs> oh, and, uh, yeah. Andrew. Great times.
0: Football and, you, and of course you're sailing, um, and all those things you've been involved with a wonderful career and uh, been terrific having you here. By the way, I know that um, this is a bit on the side and I shouldn't really know about this, but I did notice in your uh, in your CV that you're chairman of a crowd called Bitcoin. Yes. And I know that Sam's a pretty a bit of an investor. What's happening with all this? Uh, pseudo
2: uh, money. Well, I'm out of it now. I was many years ago. So uh, he, ah. well researched, Lee. he does wonderful research. It's uh, say, so, oh, look, I, I, a couple of years ago, I helped these young guys. They were guys out in, in getting, trying to get this company called Bitcoin uh, up and uh, on the ASX. You know, I've had some experience of doing listings for I, for companies on the Australian Stock Exchange, and uh, this was uh, this was one of them that I helped through. But uh, so I resigned a couple of years. I resigned a couple of years ago. So cryptocurrency, I raised this with Leon last
1: night. Yes. Because I've got a small little oh, horse's hair. There's a cryptocurrency company called Coins or Coins. I don't know whether you heard about it. I, no, I'm not, no. Anyhow, it's a cryptocurrency mm. and it's something to do with a blockchain. I never yes. understand it. Yep. But I've got a couple of them and they reckon that one day it might, it won't be a Bitcoin, but it might be a, you know, might augment my income yep. marginally. Yep. Now, Leon, we always talk about uh, all the uh, the great achievements of this man, and, and and rightfully so, because there's no crosses. It's all tick, tick, tick. It's quite boring. But I did, <laughs> as I was masticating on my 16-point rack of lamb last night and washing it down with a firkin of my favourite red, I was chipping away, chipping away, trying to find somewhere that there's it just can't be true. It can't all be blue ribbons. There's got to be... There's got to be a little detour to a side street somewhere. And guess what I stumbled across? No. Well, I come across a company called Concept Sports. And part of Concept, guess who was investing in it? Now, this is a rarity, yeah. Leon, you may or may not know.
0: It sounds like Andrew Plimpton, for one.
1: <laughs> well, he was ahead of it. They got him to be chair. But guess who came on board? This is a rarity. There were three former... Presidents of AFL clubs, namely uh,
0: one would be Butters, Rod oh, Butters. I'm guessing. Yeah, no, Rod I don't the third one.
1: Good. Uh, do you, you care to have it? Has it a guess? No idea. Graham Marsh, not Graham Marsh. Uh, Gary Marsh from Gary Richmond. Marsh from Richmond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So three AFL presidents were involved in Concept Sports, which was a merchandising company. I think part of their contract was World Series Cricket, the Olympic Games. Now, how could you not make money merchandising those two sports, even, you know, uh, well, I won't use that as an example, but I noticed that it wasn't all beer and skittles in that company, and I'd like to ask Andrew uh, just uh, just a brief pricey as to what happened there.
2: A brief pricey.
1: <laughs> well, that's a double in <laughs>
2: A crazy. <laughs> just to just it uh, itself, it'll do. The company ended up being called Beyond Sports International, Sam, and you're quite right. It was founded uh, by Gary March, uh, the ex-president of the Tigers. And to Gary, what a great job he did of doing some hard work uh, before this current regime has put the cream on the top and got some wonderful results. Roderick Butters, Roderick uh, bought into the business and... Uh, they were needing a chairman. They had suffered some substantial losses. Down to nine cents the shares went. Yeah, it was a tragedy story. <clears throat> so I went in to help uh, them all and to help Rod. There was another guy called Glenn Casey who was a uh, vice president of St Kilda who, who, was, uh, who was involved as well. So it wasn't just uh, Cricket Australia was a major client. It wasn't uh, you know, We had a lot of clients that weren't so good. We had World Series cricket uh, finals in uh, uh, where a lot of money was lost on merchandise. We had uh, the America's Cup, which was very successful. But for every good venture, Sam, sometimes yeah. there's high-risk stuff. And they took on too many high-risk uh, stuff, uh, and the business... Uh, but that would have been your role, wouldn't it, to Well, the as a chairman of it, I'm there to you know, to look over it. I'm not the operator of the business. No. And sometimes things work against you. Uh, you know, We can't have things just falling your way all the time, and this was a tough business, particularly manufacturing etc so I can just say this most of the business was sold uh, but it is a little bit of a scar there and thank you for raising it because a lot of people were you know, a little disappointed with this business and uh, um, overall I look back and say we tried our best
1: Leon you can't see uh, Andrew because you're in isolation but I can now tell you, I can understand how he sacked uh, Stan Alves, how he would have made every hard decision. If you can see the transformation on his face from our initial conversation to that last 90 seconds that he delivered, I can tell you now, there are two Andrew Plimptons. I wouldn't have any difficulty putting him in charge of anything. He'd make the right decision, I guarantee well, you. Had, uh,
0: well, apart from that uh, story, which is going to happen uh, from time to time, it's been a wonderful career, Andrew, and we do appreciate you being on. What? Outstanding. What Yes, uh, with, we appreciate you being with Sport and Life today, Andrew. We wish you well. I know that uh, you know, uh, Sam alluded to your health problems uh, of recent times, and I know you're on the way back with that. And uh, uh, just a world champion in sailing, a uh, president, and successful president at St Kilda fantastic work going on still that the Australian Sports Commission uh, was with the Australian Olympic Committee, so what else could you imagine? I Sounds like that's about a cue for us to go. And an all-round <laughs> great bloke.
2: And a member of the Van <laughs> Sank <laughs> Club Sports and what an honour that is. Minister. Member
0: and of the Van Sank Club. Cheers. Of... <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
2: Love her every minute and of it. And
0: on behalf it. of Sam Kekovic and Leon Weigard, we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you. See you, mate. <clears> Cheers.